In a world where Perry forgot to write a BMC intro, he decides to throw one together impromptu for the movie he's reviewing today. With the help of Kelly from Fanimated Podcast, they review a movie made by an absolute nobody in Hollywood so far, and Tony Bancroft, whose birthday is actually the same day I'm recording this. Happy birthday, Tony. Animal Crackers. What's up, everybody? We've got a really fun Banter Movie Club review today. We're doing the movie Animal Crackers, brand new Netflix movie that just got put on the platform on July the 25th, I believe, which was a Friday really recently, directed by Scott Sava and Tony Bancroft. That name may sound familiar because his twin brother, Tom, was actually on the Banter Pod um, earlier this year. So, and, and Tony has been awesome as well to communicate with on social media. And I, he actually sold me a drawing of Kronk that he did. And so that was really awesome. And I felt like the, the absolute least I could do was um, maybe try to th- draw a little bit of, of audience towards his brand new movie that has got some incredible uh, stories behind the struggles they went through to get this thing out. So that's why we're reviewing animal crackers today. I don't have Wes still, so I had to bring in uh, someone who's an animation expert in their own right. So who else but Kelly Anderson of Fanimated. Kelly, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, you're now a two-time guest. There's only a handful of those on the banter pod that have been (laughs) two-time repeat guests. So... It's an honor, for sure. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So we're going to go into this movie. Uh, It's really interesting. Had you heard of this movie, Animal Crackers, before really recently when it dropped on Netflix? I hadn't heard about it at all, um, except for you mentioning it on your podcast. Um, And so I was really surprised that I hadn't because, you know, it's such a fun movie. Um, It just kind of flew under the radar for me. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of it's a really weird story because this movie technically is like a 2017 film and that's kind of I think why it flies under the radar of of fans of animation and it doesn't get included with new releases because of that because it is that 2017 listed movie. So Right. The reason why, have you heard about like what like why it's rated or uh, why it's a 2017 movie as opposed to a 2020? Have you have you heard the story or is this going to be your first time? I, I saw that it there were a few different um, you know companies trying to uh, send it out there and it's, there were so many different uh, things popping up but I don't know all all of the details or how that all came about and why it took so long so um, so how why did it take three years for it to be accessible yeah uh, so this is a really 
strange story of the production of a movie, but this movie basically is the brainchild and the, the, the baby of Scott Sava, who created a graphic novel based off of just an idea that he came up with with his kids in the, in the backyard one day. He lives in uh, Tennessee, um, and he's just had this idea about animal crackers and wanting to make an independent film completely outside of Hollywood. Uh, he just kind of doesn't want to get involved in the Hollywood scene of making movies, but he had this idea of animal crackers that turn people into that animal and made a graphic novel about it and then started pitching this idea to make a movie about it. Eventually, this there's lots of interest from stu- some studios. I think the Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein Company was interested for a while, but mm, yeah. uh, thankfully that didn't work out <laughs> for them. I think they dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah. They eventually had the rights to the film purchased by a Chinese investment company who put up the first like $10 million basically that they needed for production. And they had signed on Blue Dream Studios in, I think, Valencia, Spain to do the animation. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, they had a pretty good start that they were going to just go for it at that point. And they started looking for voice talent and they like just had a few names in mind and they really quickly landed on uh, the, like Ian McKellen signed on to do the one of the characters i forget his name already i should be looking at the the cast list um Um, horatio that's right horatio p huntington after ian mckellen signed on according to sava they blew the the budget for the casting like right there just with one (laughs) one name oh wow and then other names started coming like crazy so we'll get to that in a little bit with the the cast because it's absolutely incredible yes it is but anyway, Scott Sava is this like guy that is absolutely a nobody when it comes to movies. He doesn't even have his own Wikipedia page yet, or at least when I was doing my research, he doesn't. He has a little bottom section of one of his graphic novels has a Wikipedia page, and mm-hmm. he has a little section on the bottom of like about the author. That's that's, that's what happens when you click on Scott Sava on Wikipedia. Wow. <laughs> he doesn't even have his own page. He's worked on video games. He's worked on the Casper movies, the CG stuff. Oh, yeah. Worked on some Spider-Man comic book miniseries. And he released his own first comic in 2007 called Ed's Terrestrials uh, with a guy named Diego Jordan, who is uh, his co-author in a lot of different comic books. Uh, One about military pet robots. And actually, that one has been picked up by Disney if they ever make a, a a movie about that comic. Um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, at the point when they started bringing in Ian McKellen and some other some other people started signing on to do this movie, they started bringing in talent like you know like you wouldn't see in a ten million dollar budgeted movie. They you know brought in lots of other voice actors. They brought in character designer Carter Goodrich that did Despicable Me and mm-hmm. I believe Ratatouille and Brave. They also brought in Armand Serrano to do some of the setting stuff, setting design. Um, so some big names there and yeah. they had to go back into fundraising actually to, <laughs> to get more money. So I think they ended up at 19 million for the budget, which is super small still, but yeah, still really for small. the quality. Yeah, yes, for sure. Wow. I think, um, I think you could make like th- almost 13 tangleds with, <laughs> or that's not right. With the money, excuse me, with the money that it took to make tangled, you could make almost yes. 13 
of these Animal, Animal Crackers. Crackers movies. Yes, yeah. that is crazy. It is absolutely insane. <laughs> so the film originally was like done by summer of 2017, uh, and it was premiered at the film festival, the Annecy, Annecy Film Festival, mm-hmm. in, I believe, is that Australia? I'm not sure actually where that That's is. That's in but. France, I believe. Okay, France. And then finally got a release in China in July of 2018, and was set to be released in the united states around that time as well actually that was late 17 it was supposed to be released in the united states but the the company that had purchased the rights the release the distribution rights went out of business and then it was purchased by another studio and another studio i think three Mm -hmm. or four different studios that all eventually dropped um the distribution of the film and it went into basically animation purgatory yeah. Um, for about two years before Netflix swooped in this year to save the day. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness for Netflix. I got to say, I mean, it hasn't been a direct tie in necessarily, but I think with the success of Klaus uh, last year as as animation, I, I mean, not necessarily, it's not an independent animation, but a similar kind of idea of yes. not one of the major animation studios making a film and that being super successful I guess I assume because they don't really release how many like de- how many views they get. They don't release those numbers. But I assume it was super right. successful. Mm-hmm. And the need for more content, animation content during this quarantine probably all led together to Netflix, you know, finally making a, a good offer to distribute this film. So that's where we are now. Finally came out yes. in July. And I'm excited to have it. I don't know <laughs> about you. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you offered that as a suggestion and um, watching it. I was really, I'm really glad that it's now out of purgatory. Everyone can go watch it and it's great. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's like probably the place where you can get the absolute most eyeballs possible. Way more yeah. people have a Netflix subscription than would be probably going to the theaters to see mm-hmm. this. So it's the, it's the best of both worlds there. Um, I'm sure they may not may be taking a little bit of a pay cut uh, than they probably initially expected back in 2017, mm-hmm. but we're happy that it's out. And this cast is just absolutely eye-catching when you look at it. Absolutely. Who, st- it was- who stood out to you most? <laughs> um, well, I did not look at the cast list going in. And actually, the first voice that really really caught my attention was actually Gilbert Gottfried because <laughs> I was like oh my goodness he's got such a distinct voice and yes he's the voice of Iago but in my mind he's always going to be Mr. Beetle from Thumbelina <laughs> one of the most like memorable characters oh, yeah. in my brain in my childhood so I was just like really? this is great yeah yeah <laughs> the Don Blue Thumbelina from the 90s yeah you're talking about mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. I don't think I've actually seen that that's crazy oh, I didn't know goodness. he was in it it's fantastic, um, and Mr. Beetle is the is a great character. Creeped me out as a kid, but that was kind of doing his job. So, <laughs> and his voice like is just stuck in my brain as Mr. Beetle, and that's it. <laughs> gotcha. Well, you know, I think of him outside of Iago, obviously. Um, I think of him as Digit from the PBS Kids show Cyber Chase. Have you heard oh of that? Oh my, yes. Oh my goodness. I used to watch that all the time. I, I, I don't think I've ever connected the dots that that was him. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that uh, Hacker is Christopher Lloyd, as in Doc from Back to the Future? 
Oh my gosh, no. It's been so long since I've watched Cyberspace that I've never gone back to look at it. Uh, that is yeah. crazy. Now I'm going to go you, watch Cyberspace. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you never picked that stuff up as a 10-year-old watching it, but... Exactly. Yeah, it's it's crazy how they get just big names to do little kids shows on PBS Kids. But oh, That's great. Outside of Gilbert Gottfried, this cast is filled with... John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, uh, mm-hmm. husband and wife duo, as the husband and wife duo in this movie, Owen and Zoe, Danny DeVito as the clown Chesterfield, Ian McKellen, as we mentioned, is Horatio P. Huntington, who is kind of this, I think he's, what, an uncle as well, but he's like more the villain uncle. Yes. He's mad that he doesn't have control over the circus, basically. Right. And so he's out to, to get it back. He feels and entitled to it, which is... Not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Raven Simone is in this movie, but her voice is totally modified. I you yeah. can hardly tell, honestly. I couldn't until I looked at the cast list. I was like, "That was Raven Simone." What? That's yeah, great. I know. It's they totally pitch her voice really high. Mm-hmm. And then Sylvester Stallone is Bullet Man. <laughs> so instead of saying, you know, "Yo, Adrian," he's literally his line is Bullet Man. That's all he says, and he says it about a hundred different ways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the guy who kind of steals the show whenever he's a voice actor, Patrick Warburton, mm-hmm. as Brock. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I don't know, but <laughs> I felt like every time he was on the screen, it was like just hilarious. He steals the show with his voice. Absolutely. Every scene he's then that's... Uh, it's the best character in that B plot side story for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he reminds me a lot of um, his voice in this movie reminds me a lot of Barkin, a little little more Barkin from Kim Possible than Kronk, yes. in my opinion. I would agree. Yes, definitely. And then we already talked about Gilbert Gottfried. We've mm-hmm. also got Wallace Shawn, who's you know Mister Inconceivable himself. If you guys <laughs> yes can picture that. And I think the last bigger, biggish name is uh, Harvey Firestein as mm-hmm. a woman, Esmeralda. He doesn't have a lot of lines either, but. Mm-mm. But yeah, so. it's a crazy, crazy good cast. I, I was so surprised. I was not expecting it at all. So it was yeah, it's I, very fun. <laughs> I pretty much always say that uh, the best animated movie with a, like the best star set of cast in an animated movie ever is um, a, the Prince of Egypt. Oh, but this one, yes. you know, this one's up there. This one is definitely up there. Prince of Egypt is going to stay at the top for sure. But <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, getting really close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into the, the plot of the movie a little bit. Do you have like a, since we usually have Wes do a summary of the movie in his own words. <laughs> um, I've asked you to kind of come up with uh, a little summary. So, um, can you summarize Animal Crackers um, for our audience? I will do my best here. So we start out the movie with the two brothers that we've m- kind of mentioned already, Bob and Horatio. Um, then a performer, Talia, joins their circus that they are running, and um, both the brothers kind of fall in love with her, and she ends up engaged to Bob. Horatio, being very upset and jealous, leaves the circus, and Bob and Talia get married, and they are gifted um, a wedding gift from her aunt, Esmeralda, a box of animal crackers. And like we said, the animal crackers um, allow you to turn into whatever animal that cookie is. So they use that 
magic to create a really fantastic animal extravaganza circus. And Horatio becomes even more jealous because he's like, oh, well, I should have married Talia. Therefore, I should have, you know, gotten the success. And that's his dream. And so he, again, is the antagonist of the film trying to find the secret to their success. He ends up causing all sorts of mayhem. And then there is their nephew, Owen, and he um, marries Zoe and they met at the circus and To please his father-in-law, he goes to work at his factory, the Dog Biscuit Factory. He is, through events, given the animal crackers and finds out what they do, and thus begins kind of this ongoing struggle to keep the crackers away from Horatio. That's kind of the basics. Yeah, absolutely. And the crackers, like... You know, at first, for a long time in this movie, they kind of just, you don't really know exactly what they do. I mean, in the trailer, it talks about how the crackers, you know, turn you into whatever animal you eat. So that's not really a secret, Mm -hmm. but it takes a while before that starts like actually playing a role in the plot. uh, And there's some funny developments when they start figuring that out for the first time. Oh, it's great. It's hilarious. The end of this movie actually gets kind of action packed. I don't know. What did you think of the last, the last act, the last 20 minutes or so? I think the last act of this movie should have been the entire movie. I really loved the final um, conflicts that were there, and I wish that that would have been spread out more and elaborated on. Um, Mm -hmm. And the final like climactic moments were really fun and crazy and it's just really cool to see all of these very different characters come together for a common purpose and it was really fun that way yeah there's like this whole like kind of like a chase sequence but also like a i don't even know it's a fight it's really more like just a circus chase sequence of like (laughs) trying to get your hands on the cookie that turns you back into a human turns Owen back into a human and Mm -hmm. it's it's very honestly it's it's really dramatic uh for a kid's movie especially and like the end like you said really compelling probably the best part of the movie in terms of you know the plot for the rest of the movie it's pretty lighthearted, yes and a little a lot slower than Mm -hmm. the ending so what did you think of the uh like the animation quality of this movie Mm -hmm. because it's definitely a smaller budgeted you can tell Mm -hmm. it's done by Mm -hmm. blue dream studios out in uh, spain so did you notice uh, a difference in animation quality um well the major things that i notice right away that make it seem like a smaller budget is just that there is less there there aren't necessarily as many crowd models or you know uh props locations um but that those things I don't feel like inhibit a storytelling perspective at all. Um, and actually, there you know there were some details like there was one point when um, the zucchini guy is uh, <laughs> riding his motorcycle, and I was like, "Whoa, look at all those details in the leather and the textures on that!" And I was really impressed by that. So um, you can definitely. I, I can definitely tell that's maybe a little, uh, they had a little less, uh, you know, manpower to, you know, get necessarily a huge, you know, elaborate scenery or huge elaborate crowds or big things like that. Um, But I can tell that a lot of work went into 
into it and the way the characters move is very elaborate and fun. And um, I didn't see any specific spots where I was, um, you know, taken out of the story because of any animation errors or anything like that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Actually, so it's kind of interesting uh, on the Bancroft Brothers podcast, which they tell so many more stories about this movie, about the production of it and everything behind it mm-hmm. uh, than I could possibly relay on on a short uh, podcast review. So go check out the Bancroft Brothers podcast if you want to hear more about Animal Crackers. But on their most recent podcast episode, Scott Sava and Tony talk about how for every 10 animation sequences that were kind of sent for you know to be looked over they really only could could afford to send about one of those 10 back for mm. changes they just couldn't afford wow. to have changes really be made to the animation sequences so for it's really unprecedented how many like first takes of the animation made it into the final final film so wow. when you put that into perspective, it really makes it seem pretty incredible uh, how that, the animation that is. is. That's crazy. That blows my mind. And because it does, it it seems fluid and it seems like um, throughout the film, it nothing feels too jarring in the animation sense. And um, yeah, that... Uh, yeah, that that is crazy because I'm thinking about like usually they, you know, you think about big studios like DreamWorks or Disney, they're they're nitpicking at all, all sorts of little things and they can go back and change because, you know, their animators are right there and they have the time um, mm-hmm. to go back and and fix it. Um, but that is they have, that's the, crazy. they have the 200 million or whatever to spend <laughs> on it. And so right. just unlimited right. potential mm-hmm. there. Uh, yeah. If you've seen Into the Unknown, the making of Frozen 2, there's just continuous, like, especially with the storyboarding, they just go back to the drawing board for show yourself yes. so many different times. Yeah. And I mean, that's a little different. I'm sure they storyboarded a few times over because it's so much cheaper than going actually into like completed animation. But right. they even, I'm sure, animated plenty of sequences, uh, you know, five times over for, for Frozen 2 Absolutely. because it's Disney. Because it's, yeah, it's Disney and they, <laughs> they have the resources. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, they know they got to make, you know, a billion to really like get a financial success. Whereas this movie didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> right. Right. But, they have uh, a little more pressure. <laughs> absolutely. I would say that my absolutely biggest gripe with this movie, uh, with Animal Crackers is that it is very, very simple compared to a lot of the animation, a lot of the animated movies I've seen lately. And I, yes. that's me being a little bit picky <laughs> and snobby. I've seen a lot of animated movies lately during quarantine, just gone back mm-hmm. watching a lot, a lot of older ones, but hand-drawn with a lot of detail on themselves. And uh, one thing that kind of stuck out about Animal Crackers is that the animation felt a little more like a TV show, uh, maybe a... a mm-hmm. TV show that would be on like Disney Channel or something like that or, mm-hmm. or Disney Junior or whatever in terms of the detail that went in. The colors are good. The animation is, you know, it still pops. It's pretty good, honestly, but it's just it's lacks all that detail. Mm-hmm. The facial controls, there's just like compared there's to... There's just not as many... There's uh, not much features. No. Yeah. It compared to frozen two where, you know, there's a, you see in the making of frozen two, how many facial controls are in each character that they can mm-hmm. change. Uh, there's probably a 10th as many <laughs> for these characters. <laughs> yeah. They don't have the time to do that, to worry about all these detailed expressions. No. 
But that being said, like it, you know, that like you said, it doesn't really take out take you out of the story. The story exactly. and the vocal cast, the voice cast are the strengths for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I would agree. Um, it's definitely, like you said, it, it reminds me a lot of like some of the like the DreamWorks TV shows where they do 3D models and it's just very, uh, again, yeah, simple and they are getting they're getting the expressions out in order to tell a visual story but they don't elaborate necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the story still comes across, but not in the same detail as like Frozen 2, yeah. for example, like you said. Definitely. I was also in my mind comparing a little bit to like Onward because I was looking at Owen's hair, mm. Owen's blue hair, and especially, even when yeah. he was you know an animal or whatever, and then remembering back to Barley and Ian in Onward mm-hmm. and their blue hair. And just like, that's something that I think it's, left out is the detail in the animation and the incredible animation onward people don't really think about because it's not really they don't really flex it like you might like the the team of like a good dinosaur or something that was all about the animation or or wally that was just like made all these sequences that were just meant to show off the animation quality uh onward wasn't really about how good the animation was supposed to look um but when you compare just like those two uh as well it's just you know you can obviously tell which one is the is the higher budget in animation? Um, Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, it's still still really enjoyable. A lot of really really mm-hmm. clever writing for some of the like some of the characters, some of the jokes. Uh, what was some of your favorite like yes. little? Uh, maybe we don't have to try. We don't have to like spoil some of the funny moments for people. But just in terms <laughs> of a broad in a broad sense, some of the sequences that were you know got you to crack up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, my. F- Favorite scenes, and honestly, my favorite part of the entire film was just every time Zoe and Owen are on uh, on screen together. They, I mean, obviously it's Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, like we said, and they're married in real life. And so their chemistry is just so natural and wonderful and their dialogue is great. Those two characters just like made the entire film for me. And Zoe specifically, because... We don't often get really good supportive mom characters, let alone really good, strong, supportive wife characters. Mm. And she's both. And that was that was awesome for me. And I loved both of them uh, whenever they're just like bantering back and forth, like uh, even like in the car, you know, um, from the um, the circus. And, you know, when they first have the animal crackers, they're just, go, you know, talking over each other. And it's so great. It's so fun. I love so I just love those characters for sure. Yeah, they have a, a ton of chemistry, and and it, obviously because they're married, and it, and it, it really shows in their dialogue. Like you said, she's super like supportive wife character to the you know husband who is the the focal point of what's going on in the majority of the plot. Mm-hmm. But also it's it's kind of subtle, but like she is not afraid to like when Owen was hesitant to go work on the circus, she basically steps up herself and says, okay, I'll run it. You know, I'll run the circus, which is kind of a yeah. subtle, but really, um, I don't know, unique play of let it, you know, the wife that is very supportive up until this point of what everyone wants to do. But then she decides she wants to make her own decision and, and do this because that's what she wants uh, is the circus. So, and that ends up leading Owen to, to join her at some point. Absolutely. Yes. 
Uh, I also love the back and forth between like the zucchini, as we, we mentioned a little bit earlier. That's Gilbert Gottfried's character and mm-hmm. Horatio, who is played by Ian McKellen. And so Horatio the, is kind of the big bad and zucchini is like his henchman. But the, there's like a trope the whole time that the zucchini calls Horatio his henchman the whole time. So, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. but I'm paying you. I'm not your henchman. You know, it's. That kind of thing is going <laughs> yes. on. The The back and forth between those two characters is pretty hilarious. And actually, Ian McKellen mm-hmm. sings a song, a duet with Gilbert Gottfried in this movie. That is the first time ever that Ian McKellen has sung on um, in a movie. So that's pretty interesting. Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. I d- that's really cool. And a fun little, like snippet for him to be like oh yeah i sang in this one that's so cool there are were a couple things i don't know about you but like story-wise that i would have i would have loved to see a little differently one of them being like i really wish uh both owen and horatio's uh character motivations were a little clearer from the beginning um i feel like horatio especially it's it's pretty clear it's pretty simple actually his character motivations and then the in the last like 20 minutes he suddenly has different character motivations or owen could have you know had some clear clearer motivations and what he wanted because he kind of flip-flops between a lot of things or you know i think that's fair because i think you know humans you know have a trouble deciding on things anyway <laughs> um but at least making that more a clear part of the yeah. story but um, I would have also really loved to see a some sort of sense of uh, time or some sort of uh, urgency, I suppose. Um, something that would uh, pick up the suspense. Um, like you were talking about, Onward is a great example of like, if you want to add suspense, if you want to add conflict, just add a time limit. They've got 24 hours to bring mm. their dad back. Um, I feel like Animal Crackers, for me at least, was kind of lacking that 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 push, that uh, that motivation forward in the plot. And so a lot of the times I would sit there and be like, is there anything actually wrong with the story right now? Like, I feel like everything's okay. And um, there's nothing really pushing it uh, forward for me. Uh, that would have just been like an, ed- an extra little added piece, I think, that would have drawn me in a little more. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, yeah, with Owen, it, it seems like at first his main motivation is like to make his father-in-law like accept him, right? Uh, and that's why he works at the dog biscuit factory. And let me say, uh, his father-in-law is Wallace Shawn is the voice, and he also has a really, really uh, quality performance. That you know, not a ton of lines, but mm-hmm. um, pretty solid. And there's a few, yeah, like you said, the B plot is in the dog biscuit factory mm-hmm. and that's where um binkley is creating some type of type of dog biscuit that's supposed to like make uh owen rich finally and make <laughs> his father-in-law finally accept him right and brock is this other employee that uh, voiced by patrick warburton that works at this this factory and he is i don't understand his like physical properties or the boundaries of what he like is a human or is he not because he just spends every scene he's in he just like shrinks down below the the level of the screen Mm -hmm. and then pops up somewhere else completely or just it's 
It's wild. It's cartoonish, <laughs> oh, but yeah. Patrick Warburton's voice makes it, and it's hilarious. It's hilarious. He just appears out of nowhere. It's great. <laughs> yeah, definitely made me and my brother laugh out loud quite a few <laughs> times, and he's really not even in the movie that often. <laughs> were there any other things besides, I know you said, the animation that you were kind of wishing was different, but anything in the story that you had want, would want to change? Yeah, you know, that's I don't know... <sighs> about the story in particular like it's 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 a fairly compelling story though i would say it's important to note that we are not the target audience right uh, i would say mid-20s <laughs> uh is probably the upper range i would say of the probably. of the target audience for this movie so i would say for me maybe it wasn't you know the most exciting or the most most amazing film i've seen but i watched it with my 13 year old brother and I tried to pay pretty close attention on to how he was reacting mm-hmm. with some of some of the jokes and some of the different things in the plot. And he seemed to be really into it. Um, he also loves Patrick Warburton's voice. He's seen Emperor's yeah. New Groove. So he's seen all of the Kim Possible episodes. Mm-hmm. So he loves that, loved hearing that voice. And and at the end, you know, he told me that he'd give it a four out of five um, himself. So he he had a good time with it. And I think that's important to realize that, like, while maybe the story was a little slow pace for mm-hmm. us um, and, and it lacked that kind of urgency, mm-hmm. like you said, um, it's m- supposed to be more of a lighthearted, fun movie for maybe a slightly younger audience than ourselves. And in that, I would ag- I would agree that it definitely succeeds, I think. <laughs> lighthearted, fun, yeah. enjoyable, colorful everything you'd want and it's a family movie exactly (laughs) but that leads us to rating it on the hot rod scale of rating movies we love the movie hot rod here on banter i hardly know her and we rate them rate our banter movie club movies on that scale of a straight up party being a perfect five out of five cool beans being four out of five um, a movie that you can scrape the joy out of being a three out of five. And then if it's two out of five, it is unlegit and a one out of five movie, which we haven't actually ran into quite yet, uh, would be the devil. You're the devil movie, but, uh, we haven't had one of those yet. Hopefully today is not the day. I will say this movie did get a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Five, uh, 58% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is kind of odd that they both uh, they match. That never happens. Wow, yeah. And a 60% on Metacritic. I'd say it's a little bit harsh, uh, wouldn't you? You know, I feel like I'm, uh, for me personally, I'm a little bit in that same range. I think I would give it a three out of five. It's definitely uh, succeeds at what it does. and um, But I would say for me, it was maybe a little less so. Okay, fair enough. So you can scrape the joy out of it. I can, yes. The life is pain, and we gotta scrape the joy out of it every chance we get. That's that's okay, and I'm kind of right on the borderline. But as you know, I would say that especially if you're watching this with your younger siblings, kids, whatever, it's a fun time. It's a, it's a laugh out loud a few times, and I would give it a cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. High level of enjoyment. I would say low level of commitment, which is always uh, Mm -hmm. a good ratio to keep in mind when you're talking about a kid's movie. 
Um, so yeah, I would give it a cool beans and um, I'm really excited to see if Netflix maybe reaches back out to Scott Sava to do some more work with them. Um, he seems like a really creative guy that has a lot of a lot of good ideas um, and I'm always down to watch a, a lighthearted kids movie. And Tony, obviously, we know that Tony's great with animation, great with um, movie making, as he's made one of my probably top five um, Disney animation movies of all time Absolutely. in Mulan. So uh, all in all, I'm really excited that this came out finally after almost three years of being yes. just on the slate to get out to people, but never... Uh, just being stuck on the doorstep, never actually getting in. And, and now it's finally available to everyone. So go check that out. Uh, if you have some time, it's right there on Netflix. Just turn on the TV. It'll be right there. And I've, I think I've seen it as high as the number two movie in the U.S. on Netflix. Yes, it's um, definitely being viewed a lot, which is good because we want to show Netflix, you know, that we want them to take a chance on more animated movies like this. You know, we obviously love the Disney's and DreamWorks of the world, but um, if anything, watch it so that you're supporting uh, these kind of independent um, animation productions that we want to see more of. We want to see more of these stories out there for sure. Yes, absolutely. I'm really excited to see something like this succeed uh, as an animated movie that's made completely outside of Hollywood. I actually have a, a cousin that is in the animation industry and he's been working uh, in Indiana from home and he's really excited mm-hmm. to, as this COVID, you know, as, as awful as it's been, has actually made it easier for a lot, made a lot of animation studios more accepting of working remotely on projects. So he's excited for how that could impact his career moving forward. And I hope that um, movies like this keep coming out and being successful so that more major studios will, uh, or maybe not even major studios, but major distribution channels will be open to movies like this uh, instead of always going for the big budget movie. These are gonna gonna catch some eyes as well and, and draw some interest. Absolutely. Well, great. I have nothing else to say about Animal Crackers. Uh, Kelly, if you have nothing else to say as well, then I think we can wrap it up. Sounds great. All right. Thanks so much for being on. The next time you guys will hear from me, it'll probably be in a couple weeks. I'm moving down to Orlando, Florida, and Wes will be moving into his new uh, job shortly, and we'll be hopefully getting back uh, to the podcast in the next couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. Going to be exciting. We have some good ideas. We really want to do an Avatar The Last Airbender episode. So be on the lookout for that. Give us suggestions for um, what kind of uh, episode that should look like. Do you want us to be ranking things? Do you want us to be going over our favorite uh, characters? Whatever. Um, let us know on social media, um, Instagram, banter underscore pod, or Facebook. You can find us at both those places and let us know. So um, until next time, thanks so much for listening. Um, we'll see you soon. 